The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Five three one six, the text number. If you want to get in touch across the pond, we focus our attention first. The day began in the UK with the farewell speech of Boris Johnson, in which he expressed his most fervent support for Liz Truss and the incoming government. On the subject of bouncing around in future careers, let me say that I am now like one of those booster rockets that has fulfilled its function and I will now be gently re-entering the atmosphere and splashing down invisibly in some remote and obscure corner of the Pacific. And like Cincinnatus, I am returning to my plough and I will be offering this government nothing but the most fervent support. Well, what about the lady of the hour, Liz Truss herself? She had this to say, standing in the same spot several hours later, as after she became officially the UK's newest Prime Minister. I'm honoured to take on this responsibility at a vital time for our country. What makes the United Kingdom great is our fundamental belief in freedom, in enterprise and in fair play. Our people have shown grit courage and determination time and time again. We now face severe global headwinds caused by Russia's appalling war in Ukraine and the aftermath of COVID. Now is the time to tackle the issues that are holding Britain back. We need to build roads, homes and broadband faster. We need more investment and great jobs in every town and city across our country. We need to reduce the burden on families and help people get on in life. I know that we have what it takes to tackle those challenges. That was Liz Truss, the UK Prime Minister, speaking a little bit earlier uh, this evening outside number 10 Downing Street. Lauren McEvitt is a former Conservative Government Special Advisor and she's with me now. Lauren, you're very welcome to the show. We heard a little snippet of what Liz Truss had to say there. What else did she tell the nation? Well, she was very clear that there was an awful lot coming down the line that doesn't look particularly good. Um, But the thing that I found striking um, about her statement, uh, which I read rather than listening to, was that it really could have been written by any party leader from any major party, because the same priorities exist between both parties, really. You know, we're going to um, prioritize the NHS and get more appointments on the books and fix the problems in the NHS. We're going to you know, deal with the headwinds that are creating enormous energy prices. And where the difference will come with people in the UK is the methodology she chooses to uh, to tackle these particular problems. We obviously have just come out of two years of very heavy state intervention um, through COVID. It looks highly likely that significant state intervention will be required once more um, in dealing with energy prices. Um, and this could have a long-term negative impact on the Conservative Party, who obviously are not natural statists. Um, they fundamentally believe that the private sector is the better way of doing things. Um, and if people in two years, three years' time feel that actually they prefer the state doing things, then it's highly likely that you know they're going to t- trend towards the Labour Party next time around. But that, is that the big challenge facing... Liz Truss is how she copes with this. The 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 uh, the call from some for for state intervention, while her own backbenchers call for the opposite. I think her own backbenchers are also calling for it. Um, okay, I think nobody is going to shy away from its from its necessity. However, 
um, what it could do is have the long-term impact of you know when the conservatives which is their more natural position try and turn the dial back towards the private sector back away from from state intervention it could be that it's a lot harder to do that than they don't Oh I see it's it, it, it's it's less about the moment of crisis more about coming out of the crisis and suddenly exactly. you, you so have to wean people off that state support It's possible it's possible that she will cope well in providing support for energy and electricity costs in the coming months which is really the big crisis that's coming down the line for individuals in the country um and it's equally possible that having dealt with it well um she could lose the following election um because of a shift in mentality within the country it's very hard to tell right now how successful she is able to be in the upcoming election in it's sort of 2024 mm. latest 2025 um so she has an immediate sort of a governmental problem which is energy costs and you know the supporting um ukraine in the, in the war against russia and and various other you know large scale state problems like like dealing with the nhs um and she has an additional political problem which must by its necessity be put on the back burner but fixing one may damage the possibility of success in the other which could be very interesting how much slack do you suspect that the public will cut her it's certainly in the initial months of her tenure given that some of those problems she faces, those immediate problems of high energy costs, that they are not problems specific to the United Kingdom. No, they're not. But everybody is going to forget that as soon as they try and think about turning their heating on. She also doesn't have, there was a very interesting piece written about this, I think in the Times, um, that she's an autumnal incumbent. So she's coming in in the in the autumn, and we haven't had one of those in a while. Most people come in in the spring and get a, a sort of a natural honeymoon period over a slower summer period. She is not going to have that. And so I don't think she's going to get much of of a, of a honeymoon grace period um, because, you know, depending on what the weather does, in a month, possibly a month and a half, if we're pushing into November, people are going to start wanting to turn their heating on and people are going to be concerned about how much it's going to cost. And suddenly a global problem feels very, very personal. And that's mm. a very different problem for the government to try and grapple with. Recent experience would suggest as well that she should worry not so much about the enemies without, but rather the enemies within. And uh, over here, we've all gotten used to talking about these 1922 committees and uh, and stuff stuff we didn't realise existed uh, until a few years ago. Um, how disunited a party does she take over? That's a very interesting question because she won, you know, it was a clear victory. There's about 20,000 votes in it, as far as I can remember. Um, but that's really only, I think, about a 15% margin. And Rishi held a much higher level of backing from Conservative MPs than she did. Now, there were some switches to her during the campaign from Conservative members of Parliament. But of course, although it's Conservative membership who elect the leader ultimately, it's the Conservative Parliamentary Party that that leader has to work with. So she could be in some trouble if she tries to do, you know, anything that's too wildly different from the majority view of the Conservatives on the back benches. If she tries to do anything wildly different um, to the manifesto pledges that got them elected there in the first place, you know, she's dealing with an 80 seat majority that somebody else got elected. They don't necessarily have a great deal of electoral loyalty to her in the way that mm. they did to Boris Johnson. Um, and that could make life quite difficult for her. However, it is also possible, and the Conservative Party does also have a track record for this, of sensing a bigger external threat 
and deciding to, to to come together and remember it's a broad church, remember it's the oldest party in existence, and you know keep a lid on it for a little while. Um, we are, believe it or not, capable of not eating our young in public from time to time. <laughs> from um, I know, time. I know, there's not been a great deal of evidence to support that statement recently, but it is possible. It has been known. Um, so I, uh, you know, to, to give the parliamentary party its credit. Um, I think everybody's rowing in the same direction of really mm. wanting to find solutions to some very immediate problems, and perhaps the backstabbing and manoeuvring can wait a little bit. Um, but if parliamentarians do sense that she is just Boris point two, you know, in some ways that could be a good thing for her. You know, there's some things that Boris is doing that the backbenchers really liked. Um, you know, being very bullish on Ukraine and Russia, being 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 very um, you know strong in 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 combating what it perceived to be a threat in relation to the European Union and particularly the Northern Ireland um, uh, uh, protocol and border issues. And then she might do very well. Um, you know, however, there are other areas where. If she decides to diverge spectacularly, she could be in trouble. Um, but of course, she also doesn't have any of the inheritance of what really plagued Boris Johnson in the final, in the final push, which was which were deemed to be personal failings of mm. of, of morality, of conscience, um, and that's what really did for him in the end. It was you know the, the scandal after scandal after scandal that all centered around him and his choice and people and his choice in action, rather than governmental problems. And what's interesting is usually the adage is that it's very hard to get yourself elected leader from the foreign office because, of course, you're overseas the whole time. And the result is that you can't really canvass your colleagues in the tea room. But COVID has meant that, you know, she's probably been in the country far more than most foreign secretaries have been in the past. So that might not have dented her quite as badly. But the foreign office is also a slight, a, a sort of a department apart because it's not dealing so much with domestic matters. Mm. So she's probably been quite, quite well shielded from some of the stuff that's hit the fan over Boris Johnson in recent months. Well, listen, Lauren, it's been really interesting uh, speaking to you. We'll have to talk uh, again. Uh, Lauren McCavitt is a former Conservative Government Special Advisor. I'm sure there'll be plenty of coverage over the next few days uh, of uh, Liz Truss, her first few days in office, who she appoints to Cabinet and what exactly she plans to do. And Lauren touched on it there, one of the issues on her plate, what she plans to do about the Northern Ireland Protocol. Anyway, 53160, text number, if you want to get in touch. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.